This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What is up, Hopeland Church? I feel like I haven't preached in a while, but here we are. Brand new sermon series for the month of October. Excited about this month. Excited about this series, The Forgotten God. This is part one, and this is a study on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. All right? And so we're going to jump right in. I hope you enjoyed worship today. Uh, Stoked you're here. Um, And let me pray, and we're going to dive right into this uh, message today. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, uh, Lord, as we sit at your table. We thank you for the spiritual food we're going to receive. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that we receive revelation. We receive uh, the word of the Lord. Change us, God. Transform us. Impact our life. Touch every area through your word today. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said yes and amen. All right, so here we go. Why do we call it The Forgotten God? Um, I'm aware there's a book out there. I've actually never read the book uh, by Francis Chan called The Forgotten God. I believe it's called that, and it's about the Holy Spirit. It just gave me an idea. And the reason why um, um, I wanted to uh, call it The Forgotten God is because sometimes we do forget about the Holy Spirit in some ways. We, we, we hear a lot of teaching on um, the other aspects of God, the other uh, attributes of God, the, you know, Jesus and the Father, of course, of course, of course, we're gonna teach on that. But, um, but, I, but I believe we just want, I just wanna take a month and dive into the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So here we go, we're gonna jump right in. But first, I wanted to just open up with a quote by D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody, he said this, he's a, um, um, a great preacher that has now passed on uh, for some time, but he said, you might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as try to live a Christian life without the Spirit of God in your heart, all right? So we're gonna really just teach on this today in a very basic way, and you may even know kind of the main points, but the the point is, I'm not assuming you don't know this, I just wanna lay a foundation. We have five Sundays this month to teach on the Holy Spirit, and we're gonna devote each weekend to to, to go in uh, uh, specifically into certain uh, um, attributes, characteristics, and uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So today we're gonna talk about, uh, here it is, it's a question, but who is the Holy Spirit, okay? So who is the Holy Spirit? I wanna give you a little church history here. Um, but there are a couple of creeds that the early church had come up with, a few creeds actually, and at different times in early church history. Uh, but we're gonna read a couple uh, portions of them from the first couple centuries of the church. Since um, Christ resurrected from the dead, we're looking at uh, within the first uh, few hundred years of the church. Um, and these creeds are like really basic statements of faith. Many of the creeds the early church came up with would, would actually they would actually have people pronounce these creeds as they were baptized. It was a way for them to guard sound doctrine and to plainly state what the church believed, okay? And so these creeds are kind of cool, but it's interesting that 
Um, even back then, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, centuries ago, um, they came up uh, with a couple creeds and the Holy Spirit is, is in them, the, the, what they believed concerning the Holy Spirit. So here we go. Um, but uh, before I read that, I just want to uh, kind of, uh, part of my heart here with this message is to teach uh, some sound uh, doctrine uh, concerning the Holy Spirit. I believe this is so important. Sometimes maybe some of this isn't the most exciting or or, or whatever, but I believe uh, we must teach it. I've heard even preachers say, man, the church is so Bible illiterate. And I'm thinking, well, you're a pastor, so whose fault is that, right? Um, so, um, and I, what I'm saying is I take responsibility uh, to really teach the word, teach sound Doctrine, okay? There's nothing new. Sometimes these things are just reiterating the foundations of our faith, the foundations of what we believe. And we need to know this, be reminded of it, and know that we are standing on a foundation of sound doctrine, sound teaching in the Word of God. And so I just want to read just some of my notes here concerning this, and then we'll kind of read the creeds and get into the Word here. Uh, but, but being a Christian, being a Christian, and this is like coming from the early church and kind of the reason they came up with creeds and the reason they had to define the basics of, of the faith um, and, and looking in the word of God and, and the Holy Spirit leading them and breathing on what they were doing, they felt the need as bishops and early church leaders to plainly define what they believed. But this was this is key to when you look at um, the, 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 the fathers of the faith and what they did, uh, this is kind of some of the stuff they came up with. And here it is. Being a Christian uh, means we have a statable belief with content, okay? And speaking of the scriptures, okay? Without thinking we in our finite understanding have exhausted the mystery of who God is, okay? So so we define doctrine not like we have God figured out, okay? Um, uh, it's not that we have God figured out, but we know what we believe and we know what we don't believe, okay? So doctrine or transliterated teaching, sound teaching is, is this. Doctrine does not empty God of his mystery, but it points to parameters, okay, uh, that we must stay within, okay? The more I understand about God, the less I know about him, okay? So um, uh, there is always more to God than what I now know, okay? So so when we define doctrine, it's not like we got God figured out, but we understand what the scriptures say concerning various things, how be it what we're gonna talk about this month, the Holy Spirit, okay? So in the Nicene Creed, okay, this was adopted in May of, of 325, okay? Uh, I believe it was May 21st, if I'm not mistaken. But in the month of May, in 325 AD, uh, there was an ecumenical council to, to basically make a statement of who Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are because there was heresies stating Jesus was not God, okay? And it was influencing the church. So here's what it says. And this is the part of the Nicene Creed. And we believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life. He precedes from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. So that's the Nicene Creed. We're talking 
hundreds and hundreds of years ago, okay? And we are standing on that foundation right there. Here's another one, the Apostles' Creed. This wasn't written by the original apostles, but it was in reference to what they preached and taught and believed according to the scriptures. Um, so the uh, Apostles' Creed um, came after, uh, and it was used It was used in the third and fourth century early on, and they would even use this at times when people were baptized. But this is what it is, Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So here's my first point, church. Here's my first point. The Holy Spirit is God, okay? He's not just some energy. He's not some, some mystical force. He isn't like God's sidekick. He isn't the Father's helper. He is God. All right, so the Holy Spirit is God, okay? So we're gonna look at a couple of verses here. Here's the first one, all right? The Holy Spirit is God. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God, okay? John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, capital H, speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Okay, so so this, this here it is. This is what you would what you can see is the Godhead in this one verse. You see Jesus talking, saying, "I will send." You see the language, the Father twice. That word used twice, and that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, capital S of truth, proceeds from the Father. Okay, so so there it is. Holy Spirit is God. Proceeds. That's what it means in the Greek. Proceeds means to come out from, okay? It's not that the Holy Spirit um, was something that God just sent outside of him. The Bible says the Holy Spirit proceeded from the Father, okay? And so what does that mean? It means of the same essence of the Father, God from God, okay? So Holy Spirit sent by Jesus, the Son of God, proceeding from the Father, sent from the Father, okay? And so look at this. You can see it all here, all right? The Holy Spirit will testify of Christ. That's what Jesus said. He will testify of Jesus. So he will testify of Jesus. This means he will give a good report of Jesus. He will bear witness as to who Jesus is. He will give truthful and good evidence of who Christ is. The Holy Spirit isn't just out here doing some weird thing and Jesus is not glorified. If Jesus is not glorified, it's not the Holy Spirit. Some other spirit, some other thing, something somebody's saying it is the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you right now, the Holy Spirit will always testify of Jesus and he has come from the Father, proceeded from the Father, from the same essence of the Father, God from God, all right? Here's another one, here's another one. 2 Corinthians 3.17, the Holy Spirit is God, okay? 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, it says, now the Lord, capital L, is the Spirit, capital S. Right there, where does the scripture say that the Holy Spirit is God? 
2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. How many of you know we desire to be where the Holy Spirit is? In our gatherings, in our worship, in our homes. Lord, we desire for you, Holy Spirit, to be among us, leading us, directing us, convicting us, speaking to us, right? Refreshing us, all that good stuff, right? Why? Because now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord, of, of, the same essence of the Lord is, there is liberty, hallelujah. Somebody say the Holy Spirit is God, okay? Here's another one, Acts chapter five, verse one to four. I'm gonna read it here. Acts five, verses one to four. The Holy Spirit is God, okay? But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, verse two, and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Here it is, here it is. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Okay, verse three, it says you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse four, all right, says you have not lied to men, but to God. There is a, another verse there, right there, states plainly that when they lied to the Holy Spirit, they were actually lying to God himself. All right, there we go. Somebody say it with me. Say, who is the Holy Spirit? Look back at them or say it to yourself if you have to. The Holy Spirit is God. Hallelujah. All right, here we go. Here's my next point. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Okay, he is a person. All right, why? How do, I, how do we know that? Okay, uh, we're gonna look at some verses here. And I know this might seem really basic for some of you, but this, this uh, begs repeating and reminding all of us of this. This is good Bible teaching, okay? The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. You cannot lie to an energy. You cannot lie to fire. You cannot lie to water. You can only lie to a person, okay? You cannot lie to a force. You can only lie to a person, okay? The Holy Spirit, once again, is a person, all right? Let's look at Isaiah 63.10. But they, Isaiah 63.10, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Grieved his Holy Spirit. You cannot grieve energy. You cannot grieve a force. You cannot grieve fire. You cannot grieve a mystical entity, but you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he is God and he is a person, okay? So, but they re rebelled and grieved 
his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy and he fought against them. Man, this is, this is a powerful verse. This is very sobering. Yes, it is in the Old Testament. It is prior to the incarnation and the, what we would call now this, this era, this, this time we're living in called the dispensation of grace, this moment that we are stewards of the grace and we can respond to grace and we can repent and turn to God and he would forgive us and cleanse us and wash us. But even in the new covenant, under the new covenant, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, okay? So what does grieve mean? It means to hurt. That's what it means. I mean, look it up. This is the Hebrew, right? We're going to look at the word grieve in the Greek as well because it says the same thing in the New Testament that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. But in the Hebrew, grieve, it means to hurt. It means to displease. You can't. You can only displease a person. Um, it means to cause pain, okay? So there is this hurt, this pain, this displeasure that God's people were, if I could say, inflicting on the Holy Spirit, okay? And it says, why? Why was he grieved? Why was this person, capital P, Holy Spirit, God, grieved? It says, but they rebelled, all right? They rebelled. And, and, and that word rebellion, right? In, in, in the Hebrew is this, but actually, I'm gonna give you that definition, but for, here's, my, here's my next point. I know we're moving quick here, but rebellion grieves the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, Jesus resurrected from the dead the third day, went to sit at the right hand of the majesty on high sent the Holy Spirit, Bible says, proceeds from the Father, right? He's here now. He's here now. He, if, you're, if you're a Christ follower, you've professed Christ, he's, he indwells your body. He's inside of you. God himself, the person of God, by way of the Holy Spirit, the person, is indwell, indwells you has filled you. You are a temple, as the scriptures say, of the Holy Spirit. And here it states how that rebellion grieves, hurts, causes pain, causes pain and displeasure, displeases him, the person of God. All right? What is rebellion in this word, in this, in this Hebrew context here, in Isaiah 63.10? It means bitter. All right, it means contentious. So God's people were rebelling against God. They were bitter toward God. They were contentious with God, fighting, um, provoking God, disobedient to God, you know, uh, contrary in their attitude, heart, words, actions, right, to the will of God. And this grieved the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm sure throughout our walk with God, there have been moments, and we must be honest, that we have grieved, saddened, hurt, caused pain and displeasure to the Holy Spirit. Praise God for grace. Praise God we can turn to him again. But I, I think we ought to, we ought to be able to um, 
genuinely uh, feel compunction and contrition and brokenness and feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit when we grieve him. I, I believe if we have this mindset and we really see that the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit is a person and our bitterness, our contention, our provoking, our disobedience, our rebellion grieves him. I believe that if we are Holy Spirit conscious, uh, I believe that we will slow our roll when we want to give into our flesh and give into rebellion and give into disobedience and give into being contentious with God when he's leading us and directing us and 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 leading us into his will and yet we push against it I'm telling you when we push against God's will and his plan for us we are grieving the holy spirit we are hurting causing pain and displeasure to the person of God that dwells within us. Come on, somebody say this with me. Say, help me, Holy Spirit, right? Help me to be obedient. You know, Holy Spirit, empower me to live for you. Empower me, show me how to be led by your spirit, oh God. Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, help me to live for you. Back in Acts chapter five, verse one to four, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and they paid a price for it. I'm here to tell you right now, we, wanna, we want to be, I mean, you might've heard uh, this language before in, the, in teaching or maybe here at Hopeland where uh, we wanna be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We wanna be able to hear his voice and to respond to his leading, right? And we don't mean sensitive as far as, oh no, what am I doing? Am I grieving him? Like you're in this kind of state of fear, this hyper spiritual um, thing. And no, uh, not, not, not that, but sensitive meaning um, that we make an effort to listen and that we are careful with our actions and our words. And when God is leading, that we don't push against it, that we're not contentious and at enmity with his leading. But we say, yes, Lord, help me, show me how to be led by you. You know, the Holy Spirit is a person and our rebellion grieves the Holy Spirit. How many of you, I believe everybody out there, man, we don't wanna grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't wanna sadden God, right? We don't wanna, we don't want to inflict pain on God. I know that sounds kind of strange that that, that, wow, I can actually cause pain. I can grieve. That's, that's painful. That our rebellion hurts him. Come on, somebody. Our, 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 our bitterness hurts him. He's a person, okay? Um, Ephesians chapter four. Let's look at this. Chapter four, okay, there's a few verses here, and this kind of really breaks it down here. But Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, and we're gonna to read to verse 32. Our rebellion grieves the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 4, 29, here we go. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. 
How many times have our words grieved the Holy Spirit? I mean, think about this. How many of you have said a word, said something that was hurtful? I'm sure a time or two. Or maybe somebody said it to you, how bad did it hurt you? And so sometimes we think because he's God, he doesn't feel. But do you realize that we feel because we were made in the image of God? We were literally created in his image. God has feelings. He can be grieved. Man, I want to make the Holy Spirit um, happy, not sad, right? And our obedience, our faith, um, the us walking in love. You know, those, those actions, those, those things, all right, um, cause the Holy Spirit to move and to heal and to do things. But when we let no corrupt word, when corrupt words proceed out of our mouth, grieves him, right? It grie he, he, you know, um, it hurts him, but, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30, here we go. It's talking about the context of our words. Verse 30, and do not grieve. There's that word again, the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Man, what is it saying here? That our words can grieve the Holy Spirit. The words we say over, about ourselves, the words we say about others, the words we say about God, the negative, corrupt words, okay? Words filled with doubt and unbelief, hate, hate words, judgmental, you know, demeaning, um, hurtful words, corrupt communication. Don't let it proceed out of your mouth. Why? It comes out of your mouth. You're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit does not move in the heart and life where he is consistently grieved. Can I get an amen, somebody? That's why, I mean, Paul's telling the church in Ephesus, man, don't, like, look, deal with the thing in your heart. Don't let that come out of your mouth. All right? Don't, it grieves the Holy Spirit. All right, it says right here, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Of God, he's God, and he's a person. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, here it goes. It goes into it in context. Look what it's talking about. In the context of these verses, it's speaking of grieving the Holy Spirit, hurting the Holy Spirit. And, and in the Greek translation of this word grieve, it actually means by definition to experience deep emotional pain. He is God, but he can experience deep emotional pain as a result of our words. We can grieve him. It means to vex. It means severe sorrow or distress. How many of you know we want to speak words of life? We want to speak words of love. We want from the abundance of our heart, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm telling you, in an environment where we are voicing and giving voice 
to faith and the love of God and the purity of the word of God when our words are the very oracles of God. I'm telling you that is an environment that the Holy Spirit moves and heals and convicts and speaks and gives wisdom and leads and guides and comforts and counsels. How many of you know we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Hallelujah. Here it is, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Come on now, let's deal with that stuff, okay? Let, let, let's, because look, it doesn't only hurt the people we're talking about, it hurts the Spirit of God. It grieves Him, it grieves Him, it causes pain, it vexes and distresses. Come on, somebody, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Here it is. This is how we, we invite the Holy Spirit. This is how we make room. This is how we, we create an environment where the Holy Spirit is welcome to do what he does. Verse 32, here it is. And be what? Kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Once again, in context, we're talking about grieving the Holy Spirit or inviting the Holy Spirit. We're talking about vexing the Spirit of God, uh, distressing the Spirit of God, or an environment where He is welcome to move and to breathe into us and to speak to us. How do we do that? Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. You want the Holy Spirit to move? Forgive. We want the Holy Spirit to move in our gatherings? Forgive. We want the Holy Spirit to speak to us in the privacy of our homes, in our personal life? Forgive. Unforgiveness, all right, is not, is an environment, is an attitude and an approach toward people and God where the Holy Spirit is grieved. Okay, our words can either invite or repel the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our undealt with unforgiveness and bitterness causes pain and vexation to the Holy Spirit. All right, we want to be people, even as God in Christ forgave you, forgiving one another. Rebellion grieves the Holy Spirit. And here's my next point, church. Here's my next point. Bitterness sorrows the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we don't want to sorrow him. We want him to move and to speak and to be welcome. We want to be sensitive to his leading, his voice. We desire him to, to be active in our everyday life. He is with you. He is in you. And now, Lord, show me, show me, God, whatever's in my heart that I need to deal with, whatever bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, rage, Lord, uh, whatever kind of evil speaking, wrath, right? Whatever um, sin God is in our life that is in the way of the Holy Spirit, that is grieving the Holy Spirit, Lord, forgive us. We turn from that. We turn away from that. And we turn to you and we say, Holy Spirit, move in our life. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, lead us. 
You are God, Holy Spirit. You are a person and show us, teach us God, how to honor you as God and to, and to be sensitive to your person in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, help us, Lord. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God, all right? The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And uh, rebellion grieves the Holy Spirit and bitterness, bitterness, folks, bitterness sorrows the Holy Spirit. So I am going to just rattle off a bunch of other kind of verses, just the address, just to show you how much of a person the Holy Spirit is, okay? Because I know I don't have time to really go in depth with all of these, but here we go, okay? And some of these we actually read, but there's a number of, number of them we haven't actually read. And so he's a person, he's a person, okay? So he has, okay, and I'm gonna give you the address, uh, but I'm not gonna read the verse in entirety. I want you to go back, study this yourself and look at it. But here it is. He has intelligence. Okay, that's 1 Corinthians 2, verse uh, 10 to 13. He has intelligence, okay? He has feelings. Okay, we read that. Ephesians chapter four, verse 30, all right? He has a will. He has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, in Acts 16, six to 12. He prays, okay? Romans 8, 26, okay? The Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He prays, all right? He does miracles, okay? And, and, and when Jesus walked the earth, right? In the Gospels, it plainly states as Jesus the Son, God incarnate, was performing actual miracles to actual people, right? As a person, right? And so the Scripture also states at times where it specifically says the Holy Spirit. So he does miracles. Acts 8, 39. Acts 8, 39. All right? Hallelujah. Here's the next one. He can be lied to. And we read this. Acts 5, verse 3. He can be lied to. He's a person. Look at somebody and tell them, Holy Spirit's a person. Um, he can be insulted. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. He teaches and directs. Okay, and we're gonna get into the, a little bit more of that um, uh, later this month in some of the, some of the, some of the um, sessions we do here. But he teaches and directs. Here, I'm gonna give you three verses, okay? I'm gonna load you up with some verses to go look at. John 14, 26. Acts 8, 29. Okay, and Romans 8.14, he teaches and directs, all right? So how do we respond to the Holy Spirit? How do we carry ourselves so that the Holy Spirit is received, right? Um, so he can teach and direct and lead and counsel and comfort. And all, and you know, uh, there's, and I didn't even say this. I, I, I could have put this in here, but he, he's the one that just distributes gifts to the body as he wills. Okay. And that actually might be one of these verses here um, in Corinthians. I believe, yes, it is. But he, he distributes spiritual gifts. It's 
That's what he does. He is God and he gives gifts to whom he will, okay? So he distributes gifts in the body. Isn't that that awesome? So those spiritual gifts you have, they were distributed to us by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord, all right? They are the gifts of the Spirit, all right? So how do we respond? I'm just gonna give you, I got two more verses and then we're done here, folks. But let's look at this here. This is just a scripture I saw um, in Isaiah that I feel that applies to, so how do I do this? What is my approach and posture uh, to the Holy Spirit so that, so that I don't grieve him? And here we go. Isaiah 57, verses 15, verse 15. It says this, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. Okay, we're talking about God now. I mean, nobody else deserves that type of definition. Somebody say amen. Only God does. But I dwell in the high and holy place. Okay, here it is. With him or her who has a contrite and humble spirit. I'm telling you right now, humility and humbleness of heart attracts the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He is, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace. He is attracted to humility, and when we are of a humble spirit, all right, it says that he's on a high and holy place with him who has a contrite or a broken and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. When you humble yourself before the Lord, you lay down your pride and whatever it is that you have bolstered this kind of prideful uh, attitude, the Bible says that, that God hates even a haughty look. I'm telling you pride will kill the work of God in your life. It will shut off the work of the Holy Spirit. Pride every time. We've all been there. We've all gone there. We all must uh, humble ourselves. Resist that spirit of pride. You know, just, just lay that pride and say, Lord, I am nothing without you. I need your Holy Spirit, right? Okay, and so here it is. Here's my last point. My last point is this. Enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Enjoy your time with him. Speak to him. Listen to him. Uh, Pray and talk to the Holy Spirit, the communion of the Holy Spirit. Before you read the word, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me. Breathe, oh God, on this word I'm about to read, all right? We need the Holy Spirit, okay? Second Corinthians, here's my last verse. Second Corinthians 13, verse 14. Here we go. Second Corinthians 13, verse 14. I love this verse. It speaks of the, 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 the Godhead here in one verse once again. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on now. 
Paul was praying for this church, man. And how many of you know Corinth had some issues? They had some crazy stuff going on. They had all kind of wicked sins and sexual sins and perversion. And the gifts of the Spirit are still operating and flowing uh, because God had gifted these people to operate. But they had to clean up their life, get their, you know, they had, to, they had, they needed some deliverance. They needed some freedom. And he was saying, man, he is prayer for this local church. This is my prayer for you, Hope Land Church, that the Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's my prayer for you. Lord, I pray for everybody joining here today. I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with your people, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, communion. What is that? It's the word koinonia. Many of us are familiar with it. It's where we get the word fellowship. And this is the thing. This is what it means. It speaks of what is shared in common in as the basis of fellowship, okay? So koinonia is we connect over something. There's something we connect over. So what is this communion of the Holy Spirit? Okay, here we go. I'm gonna break it down. This is koinonia, the holy communion of the Holy Spirit. Why is it, why was that language used? Why? Because in theory, in reality, God is here in the earth. And how is he here? Really, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. God the Father is sitting on his throne. Who is here among us? Who is healing us, speaking through us? Who is it that we experience when we worship? The communion of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of God himself, all right? So what does this mean? Not only do we have communion with the Holy Spirit as individuals, hallelujah, but we, but we also have communion with him, with one another. So not only do we have communion with the Holy Spirit, but he is the basis of our communion with one another. So truly fellowship, I know we talk about fellowship, we, we think about food after church and we call it fellowship. Come on, somebody say amen. Um, but that is not fellowship. Fellowship is relationship with others. And the basis of that relationship is the Holy Spirit. He is who we have in common. You might not be where I'm from. You may not be the same ethnicity, the same nationality, the same skin color, but we have a spiritual connection. We have fellowship, koinonia. The basis of our connection is the Holy Spirit in each of us. There is no such thing as Christian community without the Holy Spirit. So once again, my last point is this, folks. Enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you fill everybody with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that's my prayer. I pray, 
Lord, as I just prayed earlier, as we were just teaching this word, I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, this is communion. We don't commune with energy. We don't commune with a vibe. We don't commune with some sort of force. We commune with the person of the Holy Spirit. We commune with God himself. We are in fellowship with a person, the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that your people would have a Holy Spirit consciousness this week, that we would be conscious of your presence, Holy Spirit, of your leading, of your guiding, of your speaking to us this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. If you haven't accepted Jesus to be Lord of your life, this is your day. This is your moment. If that's you, I want you to repeat after me. Just say, Jesus, I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me in your blood. I put my faith in you and I receive your grace. Save me now. I am saved. Fill me, Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to grow, text GROW to 323-405-3232. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.